To recap this morning, um, we talked about the imagination and how we believe that God's desire for us to move from imagining to be great for Him to actually taking those steps to become great for Him. We talked about uh, integrity a little bit, what, what that looks like, what it means to our life as a cornerstone of our faith. We talked about the basics, like a boot camp, your Bible reading, your devotions, your prayer life, uh, being obedient to God, all the basic things we need to do. We talked about the reality of we are at war, whether you like it, believe it, or, or want to accept it, we are at war. We talked about image bearers and what that means to us as men and what we represent. And we focused on uh, John 10.10, 10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And uh, what that looks like. So now we move a little bit further into the uh, study of integrity and actually start defining this word and um, move a little deeper into it. Uh, let's go over the theme verse again, Hebrews 10.39. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. I love that verse, a powerful, powerful verse. And the more we say that about ourselves, the, the more we start to look in that mirror and realize what God intended us to be, His vision of us, not what we see of ourselves. All right, a couple reality checks as we move into this. Reality check number one. We are weak. We are weak. We are flesh and we are weak. That's why God instituted the, the uh, process of accountability because with accountability it enables you to somewhat become stronger as a man. Uh, without accountability, you will fall. And uh, you show me a man without accountability, I'll show you a man destined to go over a cliff sooner or later. So uh, we are weak, and because we are weak, we will willingly follow the distractions of the enemy and get off of God's path out for us. How many of you remember seeing the movie or the animation movie Up? With the man with the balloon, the house go. Where's like Doug the dog? You know where Doug the dog? Oh, you just say squirrel. And they stop to do it, they all they lose their attention. They be on this, and they say squirrel. They're gone. And that's what we're like as men. You know, if we don't focus on God and Satan starts doing things to us over here, we're just like that dog, we, we get off track and we literally go on that path. And uh, you know, you see them. Uh, teenagers come to camp every summer. They make these commitments. Guys will say, you know, they're going to, you know, uh, they're going to pay attention to, you know, look for a godly girl. And they'll leave camp, make that commitment. The first girl walks by them, dresses her way. There goes that commitment. You know, so we are weak. And we have to understand that we're not Superman. We don't have a big asshole. No. We don't have a big asshole. <laughs> he does. You know, uh, that works out. You know, but we're not supermen. We're just men. But we have the Holy Spirit in us. We have the ability to fight this weakness that we have. Reality check number two. Who you are without a vital daily connection with your creator is just an empty person. You cannot approach your daily business, your daily tasks, your daily, your daily schedule, your family, and all these things without having a connection with your creator. The sun of the source. That's the, that is the one that gives you your your power, your your energy, your focus. And if you're not connected in daily, all we are is just an empty shell walking around trying to figure out why things are going away that day. And uh, I know certain people say they like to have their devotions at nighttime, they go to bed, 
some, most people have in the morning. I'm a morning person, because I believe that if I'm gonna face something during that day, I need to be charged up, ready to go to battle, with a fresh word in my mind, not wait till the end of my day, we're ready to go for the battle, and then I have to try and regather my thoughts. So that's why I believe it's important that at the beginning of your day, you get that connection with God. Uh, because if we're separated from the very root of our existence, like a, uh, we're talking about the army today, war. When armies go to battle, they have a supply line. That supply line keeps them able to move into territories where they can keep fighting. If an enemy gets behind them and cuts off the supply line, they're finished. And that's the same with us. We allow the enemy to get behind us and cut us off from the roots. We're gone. So we have to purposely make that a daily thing. Here's what God says about you, his image bearers. Isaiah 49, 15 and 16. Isaiah 49, 15 and 16. Can a woman forgive her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. That's, that's an awesome verse. You see, because when God looks at his hand, he sees us. Now this word engraved, this, this context here, this is where the word character, and you can even tie the word integrity to this too, this is where this, the meaning of this comes from. And the word character in this context simply means this, to write, or to portray, to print, to engrave, to inscribe, to leave a distinctive mark or an imprint, so that when God does look at his hands, he sees us engraved on the palms of his hands. That's pretty cool. Now the question that we need to flip around is when, when we look at our hands, or when God looks at our hands, does he see himself? Does he see a reflection of him in our daily life? Do we have character? Do we have integrity? You know, this is a question we have to ask ourselves on a daily basis. Now when we talk about integrity now for a couple night, a couple sessions, this define integrity. So we actually know what we are talking about. Here's the definition of integrity. Steadfast adherence to a strict moral or ethical code, the state of being unimpaired, soundness, the quality or condition of being whole or undivided, completeness. We go that again. Steadfast adherence to a strict moral or ethical code, the state of being unimpaired, soundness, the quality or condition of being whole or undivided. Completeness. That's a pretty uh, extensive definition. You can't you can't question anything in there. That's integrity. You look at someone with that's integrity. You can look at their life and they have all these things. They're not they're not living a double life. They're not divided. They're not losing being distracted by everything out there. They're focused. They're complete. They're sound. All these things represent a man who has integrity. Reality check number three. Total dedication of integrity is an absolute requirement. You cannot approach this in your life halfway. You can't hope it's gonna work out. You know, I'll give it a shot and see. It's gonna be 100% total dedication that you're gonna follow this and you're gonna to stick to it. And that leads us right into reality check number four. Integrity begins with the heart. It's a choice that you make within you. Okay, so here's a question you have to ask yourself. How will you respond 
when godly integrity or character comes at the cost of your personal freedoms. In other words, it may be well and good to make a commitment here, like we talk about the kids at camp, or now let's look at you guys. You make a commitment here. Now, what if you go back home and something that you haven't involved in the past comes up? You have a choice right now. Do you participate in this activity or go to that certain place where you know you shouldn't be and risk losing your integrity? Or do you stand up for what you know to be right and at the cost of all your personal freedoms? You see, this is where, this is where the rubber hits the road and it becomes a little more difficult. To, it's easy preaching and hard living. But we have to actually determine now that when that situation comes up again, that there's no choice. That's a non-issue. Integrity wins, hands down. And you may lose friends. You may lose close, close friends. But I tell you what, when you choose what God would have you choose, God will take care of that. So many times I see people ruin their lives chasing people that are never going to change their life unless God himself touches them. And they'll squander years and years and years trying to reach somebody. And they end up losing their own, their own self in the process. And I don't believe that's what God has for us. We can't, we cannot, we, I look at it this way. I tell my, my oldest daughter, which we, we talk about different things. It's like, you don't owe your Christian faith to nobody. That's your faith with God. And you don't squander that for nobody. You don't squander your integrity for anybody. It's not worth it. Because in the end, it's going to turn around and bite you and bring you down. Here's what Job says. You read Job this morning, right? Here's what Job says a little further down in Job 27, 3 to 5. He says this. As long as my breath is in me, and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils, my lips will not speak falsehood. My tongue will not utter deceit. Far be it from me to say that you are right. Till I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. That's a commitment. As long as I have breath and God's spirit in me, I'm not going to bed. That, that is total dedication. That's the definition of integrity right there. You want to read that definition? That's it right there. He will not bend. Here's Proverbs 10 now. Here's some verses that have to talk about integrity. Jot these uh, references down and read them later. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his way crooked will be found out. Proverbs 11.3 The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Proverbs 28.18 Whoever walks in integrity will be delivered, but he who is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall. Let's look at another reality check here. Number five. Integrity is a journey that starts with the first step in the right direction. That's what integrity is. No one's asking anyone in this room to have next week figured out, next month figured out, the rest of this year figured out, because you don't even know if you're going to be here. But what God asks you to have figured out is the next step. You take that next step in integrity, you do it right, you have to check with God, and you're ready for the next step. So nobody's asking anybody to have their whole life figured out in <coughs> All we need to worry about as men is that next step. That we don't compromise, we don't bend, we don't bow to the things of this world. We walk in integrity. Uh, what is not integrity is when we are living our life and we keep looking back 
and our simple paths and longing for some of those things that are supposed to be in the past. So we keep bringing them back to our front. That is not integrity. Integrity is keeping your eyes focused, taking that step with God, and then taking the next step. Proverbs 2, 6 through 8. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, of knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the path of justice and watching over the way of the saints. That is a pretty cool verse when you read that. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. You see, when you're walking with God, man can't do anything to you. And you know, my daughter is in South Africa, far, far away from me. If God chooses to take her life over there, that's God's choice. That's his, that's his child. She's walking in integrity right now, so they can't do anything to her but take her life. That's it. She belongs to God. Our lives belong to God, and we don't worry about what man can do to us as long as we honor God and walk without apologizing for what we believe and what we stand for as men. Going back to the little uh, military thing here, uh, when these guys are in boot camp and they're learning what it means to be a soldier, first thing they're doing is learning to listen. What are they listening to? You got all these guys yelling in your face, bad breath, spitting on you, screaming at you, you know, you want to punch them in the face, all that stuff. But they're learning to listen to the voice of one. So when time comes in battle, they recognize that voice. That's what they listen to. We as soldiers of God have learned to listen to the voice of one. Not 18 different people telling us what to do. We listen to God first. That's what we obey. What else did they learn to do in boot camp? They learn to trust. They trust that voice is speaking. And no matter what, they follow that order. And uh, I, I've told this a couple times. I don't know if I shared it at Calvary before or not, but why, why don't you think in the military that they draft 47-year-old men like myself? Because you tell me, you tell me what charge a hill over there and say, what's on that hill? Who's over there? What's waiting for me? You tell the 18, 20-year-old, you know, Michael, go charge that hill. Yeah, go on. You know, they're, they're, they're ready to fight, you know? But what do we do? See, the older we get, we get a little more wise. We get a little more crafty in our thinking. And uh, we start to, you know, come up with our own version of Christianity, what we think is right. You see? And God doesn't want that. God wants us to listen to His voice and obey Him. No matter how crazy it sounds, you obey Him. But we get ourselves in trouble. We start to try to figure things out, apply our own wisdom to it, and come up with our own scenario of what Christianity should look like. We get ourselves all messed up. So listen, trust, and do. Do exactly what we're told to do without, without compromise. Uh, Psalm 41, 11 and 12 says, By this I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout and triumph over me, but you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. Uh, when you look in the book of Second Chronicles, there's a story there of a young, young king named Josiah. Josiah became king of Israel when he was eight years old. Now, I have an eight-year-old, well, she was eight months ago, daughter, Mia. I don't know if you've been here or not. Mia's crazy. Mia's psychotic. I would not want her to be king of anything. You know, she's just crazy. But I can't imagine 
a boy eight years old becoming king of Israel. Now this boy is special because at a very young age, he had God's attention. And God had his attention. And he had in his heart from the very young age that he was going to walk in integrity. And here's what this passage says about him in his life. Now this is a little bit later on in his life. I think he's in his late teens, early 20s. Uh, but he's still very young to be a king. And uh, here's what it says. <clears throat> the Second Chronicles 34, 29-33. Then the king said to gather together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests and the Levites and all the people, both great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that are written in this book. Then he made all who were present in Israel and in Benjamin join in it. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. And Josiah took away all the abominations from all the territory that belonged to the people of Israel, and made all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. All his days did not turn away from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. There's a lot of alls in there. It's mentioned, I think, 11 times. And uh, here's a young man that could be intimidated by his nations looking at him, that has false gods in their midst, worshiping false gods, and all these things that have been going on for years before him. So he has a choice to make as a young ruler. What does he do? You see, he wanted to remove all forms of purity that compromise the integrity of what God would have to be as a leader and the nation of Israel. So we have to ask ourselves the question similarly, are we willing to remove all forms of purity from our lives? Are we willing to stand like he did in the midst of everything and say, here's my stand I'm taking. I'm willing to remove all forms of impurity from my life. Or are we just simply willing to start keep exchanging one form of impurity for another? And just excuse it and start, you know, switching around. You see, we have to stand our place right now as men with undivided hearts and follow God. We can't allow Satan to divide us and to conquer us. Because if he gets us to start to live double lives, we're finished. We have to be solid. So, the lesson from Josiah is this. I believe God wants men with integrity to hear the call and be ready to make a decision with their life. Because in all our lives, God is calling us to do specific things as men. We have the ability to hear that call of one voice and do it. Next thing, he wants men to rise to their feet and look for the opportunities that he's presented us. In our churches, in your church, in Calvary, there's many opportunities for men to look for opportunities to lead, to stand up and be the ones that are taking the lead here. He wants men to lead others by the examples of their own lives. And uh, Calvary Bible has a lot of youth that are looking for men to follow. They need to see godly role models and can say, he's on track. I want, I want him to, I need to, I want him to pour into me a little bit too. That's what our church needs. Our church needs the older men pointing to our younger men because that's discipleship. That's how the church grows, that's how it flourishes. The Bible tells us that the older women should be speaking to the younger women. 
the older man speaking to the younger man. That's how we learn, that's how we come ashore. But we need integrity before we do that. In 2 Timothy 2.19, it says this, but God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. I'll read it again. But God's firm, firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. You see, guys, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. We are those who have faith to preserve our souls. Rocco, my boy, he's five years old now. He does what every five-year-old boy does. You know, he wants to put his hand up against yours, see how big it is, you know, you know, ask why his hand's smaller, we explain to him he's growing, he's big and strong one day, all this kind of stuff. But in reality, Rocco could look at his hand, or my hand, and realize that he is my image bearer. He is my image bearer of this earth, representing me. You see, if I'm not going to pour into him what needs to pour into his life as he gets older, then I've failed. I've missed the boat of what it means to be a father. So here I am, got these children, and look at me. And I look at them. I want them to be God's image bearers when they leave my house. So what am I going to pour into them that they're going to actually do that? You see, because I want God to look at his hand and see not only myself, but see all my family there as well. And I want them to be able to look at their hands and see a reflection of Him, their Father. But this doesn't start anywhere. It starts with the first step in the right direction. That's what integrity is. So I challenge you guys tonight, don't let this weekend leave you without making that first step, that commitment. Put integrity where it should be and understand that you have a great responsibility to lead, to listen, and to obey. And when you do that, Everything changes for us. And if you follow God and you don't compromise, it doesn't matter. God's control, and nothing, no one can do anything to us unless God allows it to happen. I tell everyone all the time, I'm indestructible. Because the man of God is indestructible to God, is ready to take you home. So there's nothing that can happen to me unless God says, it's time. That's a great way to live life. So I challenge you all this weekend, as you get ready to go into whatever you do next, start thinking on these things of integrity and what are you going to do when the cost of your personal freedoms are at stake versus God's integrity because that's where it gets real alright let's pray Father we thank you again for this opportunity just to open your word and to look at the many many verses you shared us on integrity and what it means Father I pray for every man in this room that they will purpose their heart from this weekend forward to live a life of integrity to examine the choices they make, the things they see, the things they listen to, and filter the body, the, the watchman of integrity over our, our ears, our eyes, our mouth. Well, I pray that you'll help us to be men that are uh, soldiers for you, that represent your son, Jesus Christ, with honor, and uh, help us just to listen to your voice and your voice alone, and to uh, trust what you tell us and to obey, to be examples of our families and our churches and our communities, where we can start making a difference in the lives of the younger man that looked to us to lead them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.